0: sundays of grace the podcast ministry of robinson grace church in Grand haven michigan i'm pastor bill i'm so glad you've tuned in once again for this edition of the podcast it is week 10 of our sermon series a spiritual ekg where we have been looking at the new creation heart we receive when we become christians god gives us a brand new heart he gives us his heart that beats with his desires and in this message we're going to look at a heart that is full of grace and full of gratitude because God has filled it with such. Hey again if you go to our website myRGC.com you can download handout notes to go along with this message and uh, there's also a link there if you would so choose you can support the ministry of Robinson Grace church thanks again for tuning in i think you'll find this message very very encouraging and as we see at the outset the reality is uh, gratitude and thankfulness is a very healthy disposition in life so this will be a good message in that sense hey have a great thanksgiving thanks for joining us let's get right to the message living with a grateful heart Dr. Robert Emmons of the University of California at Davis and Dr. Michael uh, McCullough of the University of Miami published a study in 2015 that looked at the physical outcomes of practicing gratitude. One-third of the subjects in the study were asked to keep a daily journal Of things that happened during the week for which they were grateful. Another third was asked to write down daily irritations or events that had displeased them. The last third of the group was asked to write down daily situations and events with no emphasis on either positive or negative emotional attachment. At the end of the 10 week study, each group was asked to record how they felt physically and generally about life. The gratitude group reported feeling more optimistic and positive about their lives than the other groups. In addition, the group, the gratitude group was more physically active and reported fewer visits to a doctor than those who wrote only about their negative experiences. And I know I've shared I've shared studies like this before that that talk about the reality of of gratitude and thanksgiving and how it just is healthy for it's a healthy lifestyle it is i read another study this week that talked about one of the things in a marriage that really impacts a, a really strong and healthy marriage is gratitude when you're just thankful for your spouse and you express that gratitude it builds a healthier and a stronger marriage but go back to that title again if if you can There, neuroscience reveals gratitude literally rewires your brain to be happier, and th- the reality is, is that where we set our mind impacts uh, what we choose to dwell on. And the reality is, what science is learning is that what we choose to dwell on over time, we build stronger connections. We develop. Um, We develop recurring pathways that make those thoughts easier and easier and easier. We, in essence, hardwire our brain to to those thoughts. This can make things like pornography harder to break. This is like uh, the reality of negative thoughts becoming more and more consuming. Or as in the case of this study, gratitude can rewire our brain to be happier and happier. You can rewire your brain to be a happy person if you are just grateful. The truth is negative thinking is a no-win situation. It's that simple. There's a meme that's been passing around Facebook. Maybe you noticed this. um, And uh, it speaks to this reality. If you complain about the snow, you won't have any less snow, but you will be less happy. So that just sums it up for you right there. Um, You know, but we can build these recurring pathways to be a happier person. The fact of the matter is, complaining is simply a waste of time. But the reality is, being thankful is a deliberate choice that leads to a healthier life. We all want to live healthier lives, right? We all think, of what can I do to live a healthier life, to have a healthier lifestyle? And we want to eat better and work out. And well, what if we just said, I'm going to really be genuinely thankful, Genuinely, great, not just going to say, oh, thanks, uh, or thank you, or just use it as a cliche statement, but from the depth of our heart, we really, really, really meant it. Now, here's the thing. The study we read links gratitude to our brain. Today, we want to link gratitude and thankfulness to our hearts. We want to do that. There's a a quote that I have often shared before that I put it on here. I I did not. Uh, The the quote goes like this. Gratitude is an attitude while giving thanks is a choice. And I've said that many, many times. And today we're going to really see that through the the pages of Scripture. I think we'll see this truth uh, unfolded before us. Uh, We're finishing our series this morning, A Spiritual EKG. We've looked for the last 10 weeks at our heart, the condition of this new creation heart, how we used to have a heart before we were saved that was deceitful and anxious and jealous and greedy and entitled and angry and all of these negative things. And now we have a heart just like the Father's heart that is generous, a heart that is patient, a heart that is kind and compassionate and obedient and humble and pure and all these beautiful things, even a forgiving heart, all these things we've looked at and it goes against the grain of what we're often taught. We're often taught, well, you can't trust your heart and we've learned over this series that if you know Christ as your Savior, if you're a new creation in Christ, he's given you a brand new heart, yes, you can trust your heart, you should trust your heart and we're gonna see that again this morning, I just have to say in regards to this series now, I've been preaching for 25 years. Uh, most, for the last 25 years, most Sunday mornings, I've been up front preaching. The last 15 years here, I've been preaching. If you look down my computer, you'll find I've got a folder, and I have 1 through 87. This is the 87th sermon series I've preached here, and I've done a really good job of compiling them all by folder by folder going back to 2004. And I can honestly say this. Um, this has been, for me personally, the most meaningful sermon series I've ever done. It has been the most impactful to my life. And I, I ask myself, why did it take me 25 years to do this study and preach on the heart that God has given us? Because we're often told that we have these deceitful, wicked, evil hearts, and that's just not true if we know Christ as our Savior. So this morning, we're going to talk about... The grateful heart. We want to look at the grateful heart this morning. And we saw that, of course, gratitude is healthy. Gratitude can make us happier. And I want us to see today that gratitude can ultimately be holy. That gratitude can actually resonate from the Holy Spirit within us. And um, that is the reality. Let's start here in Colossians chapter 3. Listen to this passage. We were here earlier in the series. You'll recognize some of this. Put on then, Paul says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Um, So now now this is really interesting here as we look at this, and you can recognize immediately this is some of the new creation clothes that is a perfect fit for our new creation heart. God's given us this heart. Now he says, okay, go out and and, and dress like that. Put on your compassionate heart. Put on your forgiving spirit. uh, Let peace rule within you. And we can see in the context of all this that there's this issue of having a heart of thankfulness. I would say a heart of gratitude might be the best way uh, to, to summarize this in that one verse. But what we see here is this idea of thankfulness and we see it in three forms. Notice we are called for this to have this all-consuming thankfulness. We'll see it again in a minute, but we're to be thankful for all things at all times. And so what you see here with this idea of thankfulness is we see thankfulness in three ways in these verses. First in verse 15, we have be thankful. That's an adjective, okay? And then in verse 16, with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and that is a noun. And then in verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through him, that is a verb. And so we see the, this word here, this idea of thankfulness as an adjective, a noun, and a verb. And it is supposed to be all-consuming in our life. It is supposed to consume everything we do um, all of the time. We are to be thankful. Now, I want to show you some, something interesting about this word and build a little foundation. And then we'll go back and we'll apply some of this. But think about this. So here's the reality. Thankful. We see the the word thankful here, and there are three words used in the Greek. There's eucharistos. That's the adjective in in verse uh, fifteen. Eucharistio. That is the verb that's found in verse seventeen. And eucharistia. That's the noun. Now, that's actually not the noun that's used here. And But that is a noun for this. That's the noun form of this word, eucharistio. You'll find it in, we'll read it in a while. Colossians 2.17 talks about overflowing with thanksgiving. That's eucharistio, that is, or eucharistia, that is the noun, overflowing with thanksgiving. Now, first thing I want to ask you, when you see that word eucharistios, it's a Greek word. Does anybody know what word we get in the English out of that? There's an English word, you've probably heard it before. We don't use it here. You'll find it you'll find it used in Anglican churches and and uh, Eastern Orthodox churches and Roman Catholicism. There are some kind of evangelical churches like the Lutherans and Presbyterians. Have you ever heard of the term the Eucharist? Yes. And that's exactly where they get this term and it's because Jesus when he gave thanks, he eucharistio gave thanks. That's the verb form. And, um, and that's where they get this idea of the Eucharist. And so it is used in those churches. Thankful, Eucharistos. Getting my self-tongue twisted here. But it's the word Eucharist. And it's the word that many churches or some churches or religions, I should say, use for communion. We don't tend to, to use that. Most of uh, your fundamental evangelical churches, Baptist, grace churches like ours, don't really use that term. But it is used. And I'm not exactly sure... Why some use it and some don't? Now here's the interesting thing. So let's go back here. We've got these, these three words. Here's the thing: Th- this word eucharistos, the adjective, that is where the other two words, the verb and noun, are derived from. Eucharistia and eucharistio. Those two words come from the adjective. But here's the interesting thing: the word adjective. You know what? You know where this word eucharistos comes from? It comes from a different Greek word. There's actually two Greek words. And it comes from a a word that we know as the word charis or grace. So how about that? In In fact, if you look at our verse here in Colossians 3, again, 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, the King James says, with grace, or the new King James, with grace in your hearts to the Lord, not with thankfulness. That's what the ESV says. So this word grace, actually, we see it throughout Scripture, charis grace. Um, and, but sometimes that word is actually translated thankfulness. And the very word, the Eucharist or Eucharistio, those words come from this word grace. I think that's fascinating to trace this back. Why is that important? Well, let me ask you a question this morning. If you have grace, if you're singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, where does that grace come from? From who? Where does it come from? It comes from God. Right, it comes from God or Jesus. How do you want to say it? The grace in my heart comes from God. He pours his grace into my heart. We saw throughout the series that we have the Holy Spirit. That God's love has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit. And he has poured grace into our hearts. Or thankfulness. Because grace... That word charis there is grace. Sometimes it's thankfulness. The way it seems to be employed in scripture is when God pours it into me, it's grace. And when it pours out of me, it is thankfulness. So what does all that mean? Why is all that important? Well, it just, kind of, it just kind of reinforces something that we continually, repeatedly seem to run across and seem to understand. It's simply this. What this means then is that grace, is that I have this grace and this gratitude in my heart. This means once again, that before thankful is something I do and before it is something that describes my life, thankfulness is who I am. I have a grateful heart. This new creation heart, it is a heart of gratitude. Here's our big idea. Before thankfulness states what I do, as well as a choice I make, it defines who I am. I'm grateful. I have a grateful heart. I have the heart of my Father. And so when God calls us and says, you are to give thanks for all things at all times, to have this all-consuming thankfulness, and sometimes, let's be honest, that's tough, right? I'm supposed to be thankful for this, or for them, or for that, or I'm supposed to be thankful today, or I'm supposed to be thankful. And that's hard sometimes, but just realize God has equipped you with a heart that you can look at your circumstances, that you can look at your relationships, you can look at everything in your life all the time, and you can have a thankful, a thankful, a thankful attitude. Here's the verse in Ephesians 5, Be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, with, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just understand, okay? Here's how it works. I am grateful. I give thanks. I'm known as a thankful person. You follow that? I am grateful. It's who I am I give thanks. People look at me and say, there is a thankful person. That's how I'm identified to the world around me. So let's look at this a minute here then, or just to, for a little while here. Having an all-consuming gratitude. Let me give you four areas today. We can't cover every area, but I'll give you four areas and, and some of these areas will be areas that we maybe don't think of or we take for granted and other areas are areas that are more significant than we might think they are. But here, okay, we're to be thankful for all things at all times. Having an all consuming gratitude. And here's the first one um, I should be thankful for my, for my existence. Are you thankful for your existence? Are you thankful? Are you thankful simply that you are here? I don't mean here in the church, I mean you're just here on the planet Earth. Do you realize that everybody that's on the earth is only here as an act of God's chorus, of God's grace? And he pours that blessing into my life. And I pour it back out and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I live, that I exist, that I breathe. In fact, I should also, taking this deeper, I should be thankful for who I am. Are you thankful today for who you are, for the unique person God has made you to be, for your personality and your skills and your talents and your abilities and even your opportunities that God gives to you? Are you thankful? Do you look in the mirror and say, Thank you, Lord, for who I am for how God has wired you and designed you, because that is a proper response. Listen to how David expresses it in Psalms 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Paul looked in the mirror, or David looked in the mirror and said, I'm wonderful. And he wasn't being brodacious or Proud. Can you look in the mirror and say, I am a wonderful, I am a wonderful, I am beautiful creation of God. That's the reality. He says, I praise you. Anybody know, anybody know what it means to praise? When he says praise? You know, 50 times the Greek will translate that word pra- praise as praise. 35 times it translates it as thanksgiving. When you praise God, you're saying thank you. And David is simply saying, I thank you, Lord, that I am fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully and carefully crafted. I thank you that I am here, and I, am, thank you, I thank you that I am who I am. With humble gratitude, I'm not an accident, but I was planned by you. Thank you. And so that's the first area today. Very short, but just get that down. I should be thankful for my existence and we often don't stop to think about that in fact I think we do a better job of beating ourselves up for our failures and our weaknesses and all the things we can't do instead of looking in the mirror and saying I am fearfully and wonderfully made thank you Lord thank you Lord for who I am and for letting me be here here's a second area of thankfulness that I think is more significant than we realize I should be thankful for my material and my physical possessions yes I should whether it's our home or our car or our job or the meal we sit down to eat, we should be deliberately thankful for our material and our physical possessions. I say deliberately because here's what happens. As we go about work, as we work hard and we earn a, we earn a living and we make money and then we buy things and purchase things and as we work around our home to fix things up, it is easy to fall in the trap of thinking, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what came from my hands. Look what I accomplished. And, and Moses warned the Israelites of this back in Deuteronomy. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so he just warns them, be careful that you do not look at everything you've accomplished, everything that you have and think, I did it. Because everything is supposed to be traced back to God. He is the one who gives us the health. He's the one who gives us the power. He's the one who gives us the ability. He's the one who made us fearfully and wonderfully so we can go out and earn an income and build a home and live a life. Everything originates from God. Moses kind of talks about this again in, in earlier in chapter 6. There's more of the warning here. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, when you get into the promised land, he says, look out, uh, when, he, when he gives you there, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, this Thursday, right? Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are Around you. And here's what God is saying to us simply this our possessions are are supposed to cause us to look to God who provides all good things, not cause us to turn from Him. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with having possessions and belongings. There's nothing wrong. We just have to be careful they don't turn us away from God. We fall in the trap of wanting more and more and more. And the more we have, the harder it is to be contentment. That's just a reality. The more we have, the harder it is to be content sometimes. Listen to this study. Accident victims happier than lottery winners. Think about this. In 2010, the New Yorker magazine summarized the findings of an earlier study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. The researchers assembled three groups of people major lottery winners, paralyzed accident victims, and a control group of random individuals and asked them a battery of questions about their present, past, and future happiness. Here's what the researchers found. Okay, the lottery group rated winning as a highly positive experience, and the accident group ranked victimhood as a negative one. Clearly, the winners realized they had been fortunate. But this only makes the subsequent results more puzzling. Shockingly, the lottery winners took significantly less pleasure in daily activities, including buying clothes, than the members of the other. Uh, than the members of the other two groups. You read that correctly. The lottery winners were no happier than the random control group and both the control group and the paraplegic and quadriplegic accident victims expressed more happiness in undertaking life's daily activities than the recently rich. Moses' warning is don't let that happen to you, that your possessions turn you away from God and steal your gratitude and steal your contentment and take away your happiness in life. Just be careful that doesn't happen to you. Be careful you don't begin to worship your possessions and your money. James says it like this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the, Father's, the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Where does every good thing in your life come from? It comes from God. Everything. Everything, there's nothing. And, and look at that last, we can read this and miss that last verse. You might think, what does that have to do with this verse here? The father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What is, why would he tack that on there? Because the God who is good to Abraham is the God that's gonna be good to you. Because the God who is good in the past is the God, he doesn't change. He's just a good God. That's his character. That's his nature. He will pour out his blessings on us. And we need to be thankful for them we do we talked a couple weeks ago about about being generous and giving in relation to the corinthians church and paul made the point there that they are blessed so that they can be a blessing and sometimes it is tough. we find that a challenge sometimes right to to have an attitude with what we uh, with what we owned um, that breeds that sort of contentment and happiness and joy and i think it's kind of like this what can we do to combat the lies of Satan to guard against being deceived and to hold our possessions a little bit looser? Is there a solution? There's a very simple solution, how you can learn to be more thankful for your possessions. You have to learn to rename them, okay? You have to learn to rename your possessions. What do you want to call them? If you're not going to call them possessions, what are we going to call them? What if we call them Blessings when I look at them like that, when I look at, hey, these are the blessings God has poured into me, it'll be easier to heed Paul's words to the Corinthians to be a blessing to others. Because God has blessed me so I can bless those around me. That's the reality. Be thankful for your physical and material possessions And to do so, call them blessings. Let me give you a third area today of being thankful. A third area, be thankful for your existence. Be thankful for those things that you own physically and materially. And then the third area is something that we can maybe take Kind of for granted. Maybe we respond to this kind of in a cliche way. We talk about what we're thankful for and we say, well, I'm thankful for my salvation. And we just kind of throw it out there. But listen to this here, Colossians chapter 1, 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Down in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Think about that, qualified you. Think about how we really are. He qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I should be thankful for my spiritual blessings. Yes, be thankful for your material and physical blessings, but even more so, be thankful for those spiritual blessings. We read earlier, right, when God was leading Israel out of Egypt. Here's what Moses said, Take care, lest you forget the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.12, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And we can read that and we can kind of think, well, he's leading them into a physical, a physical promised land. He's leading them out of a physical bondage and captivity. And he's doing all that, but there is also a spiritual undertone to this, a spiritual reality to this, that he's leading them out of spiritual bondage. He's leading them to the promised land, which is a spiritual home and a spiritual blessing. But sometimes we just tend to elevate the physical and the material over the spiritual. And it could be because it's easier to see with our physical eyes than it is our spiritual eyes. We talked about that earlier in the series. Seeing with the the spiritual eyes of our heart. And sometimes that's not as easy as seeing what's right here tangibly in front of me. So I need to be thankful for those spiritual blessings that maybe I don't seem to see As easily. This is so true when Jesus came, he grew up. Jesus came, grew up, and proclaimed to be the Messiah, right? The thing is, there were many who were waiting for the Messiah in Jesus' day. It's fascinating, but we see this reality of of seeing the material and the physical versus seeing the spiritual. And so Jesus comes, and can you remember what John the Baptist said? Because when Jesus came, a lot of people flocked out to John the Baptist and started following him, and here was John's message. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And throngs of people went out and followed John the Baptist. Many went out and followed him. Now, the religious leaders didn't, of course. They were as threatened by John as they were of Jesus. He was a threat to their power and their authority. But there they go, and so, and so we see this. We see over in John chapter one, there there is a discussion the religious leaders call in John and they want to ask him about his ministry and what's he talking about and who's coming and what's this about, you know, this Messiah. And they, they intrigue him and they have this conversation and the next day it says in John 1 29, he, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And So John sees Jesus and exclaims why he's coming. And then we see down again in verse 35, the next day. Now we're two days removed. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. One of those two disciples was Peter's brother, Andrew. Right? See, Jesus called Peter and Andrew because Peter and Andrew were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for him. They had heard about him. They had been told in the prophetic writings that, that, there were, that the Messiah was coming. And when John came and preached it, they all flocked out to, to because they wanted to they wanted this Messiah. You gotta realize they're in Roman captivity. They're in they're, they're they're in you know Roman oppression. And they they want a Messiah to come and set them free. The reality is, is that Peter. And James and the disciples and all the people of that day, they missed John's words back in John one twenty nine. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They missed the spiritual. They looked at the physical and the material. They missed the spiritual. And that's our challenge today. We stop and think about our spiritual blessings. They are more important than our physical blessings. They are. Colossians chapter 2, Therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and build up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. New Living Translation says you will overflow with thankfulness. The idea being is that I focus on, as I focus on my spiritual life, as I grow spiritually, as, as I grow in grace, and as I build my faith, The natural response is I'm going to just overflow with gratitude. But I need to see. I need to see with my spiritual eyes, not just my physical eyes. I need to see my spiritual blessings, not just my physical blessings. Now that's a loaded thing. We talk about our spiritual blessings. That's a loaded thing. But let me give you a handful of them this morning real quickly here. And what I want you to do is real simple. As I go through these, if if one resonates with you, just circle it. Just mark that one. If there's one or two that jump out, in fact, maybe at the end of the message, I'll give you the opportunity to share if one of these was special to you today. But here's some of our spiritual blessings in Christ. Number one, thankful that I am in Christ and no longer in Adam. Thankful that I am alive in Christ and no longer dead in Adam. And the best way to understand what it means to be in Christ, to appreciate what it means to be in Christ, is to go back and think about what did it look like before I was in Christ when I was in Adam? Think about that. Think about the hopelessness, the emptiness, and the unredeemed brokenness before I was in Christ that defined my life. And then I come to Christ, and Christ takes my brokenness, and he takes my story, and he puts a new ending on that story, and he redeems my brokenness, and he uses my brokenness for beautiful things. It's an amazing thing. I am so grateful today. We should be so thankful today that we are in Christ and no longer in Adam. Want to do a fascinating study sometime? Read through the Bible. Study the Bible. Do it on your computer where you can do a a search. Search the Bible and and look at every scripture where it says, in Christ. You'll find them when you start really in Paul's letters. You'll find it repeatedly over and over again. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for the adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of Jesus. His will. And the reality is all of the other spiritual blessings we look at, they flow out of this reality of being in Christ and no longer in Adam. So as I read through these, again, if if one jumps out at you, circle it. I'm thankful for my new creation heart. Just go back to the last 10 weeks of this study. The last 10 weeks of this study and, and just stop and think about this new creation heart we have in Christ. Are you thankful for the new heart that God has given you? Are you thankful? Here it is again. My heart was selfish and deceitful and desperately sick and jealous and anxious and bitter and scared and full of evil desires and evil thoughts. That was my heart when I was in Adam. You might think, well, I still feel that way sometimes, right? Yeah. There's a difference between our feelings and our desires. We've talked about it in the series. I might, that's my old heart and sometimes my brain goes back and thinks with my old heart and how I used to be, but no, now I am in Christ and I have A heart that is full of God's incorruptible love. It is a heart that is righteous and obedient and humble and servant-oriented and generous and forgiving and compassionate and grateful and patient. And we could go on and on and on. Aren't you just thrilled today that you have a new creation heart that beats with the desires of God and a heart that is greater, desires that are greater than your feelings? Here's another spiritual blessing. I am thankful that I am defined by Christ and not by my... And you fill the blank in. What used to define you? Before you were saved, before you were in Christ, what used to define you? Maybe it was our past, our sin, our emotions, our career, our success and failure, our possessions, our accomplishments, our relationships or lack thereof, the opinions of others. What is it that used to define your life? And today, you can say, I'm in Christ. And today, I am defined by Christ, who Christ says I am. That is who I am. That's the reality. That's the beauty. That's the reality. That is the beauty. Here's how Paul said it. First Timothy chapter one, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ. Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul said, I am so grateful that I am defined by Christ, that He called me into ministry. That's who I used to be. That does not define me anymore. Can you say thankful? Can you say thanks this morning for that reality? How about this one? I am thankful that I know that I am free from approval based living. I am free from approval-based living. You do get this, right? This morning, you do understand this one. There is not one thing you can do to cause God to love you more. There is not one thing you can do to to receive more of God's forgiveness. There is not one thing you can do to be a better Christian. In fact, that's really an oxymoron, that term, better Christian. You can't be a better Christian. You can let more of Christ out of your heart and out of your life. People can see more of Christ in you. You can't be a better Christian than somebody else. There's also not one thing you can do to be more blessed in Christ. There's nothing you can do to get a greater blessing. We'll hear that all the time. You can hear that all the time from people. Yeah, I guarantee you can probably find someone today on TV that's gonna tell you, well, if you just give more or try harder, or whatever you can you can get a greater blessing no you can't get a greater blessing we never earn god's blessings now there are blessings we have been given we saw it in ephesians 1 right god has given us every spiritual blessing in christ he's given us what how many spiritual every spiritual blessing is there anything is there any blessings left to be given no and we're not here to be blessed physically and materially we don't we're it's the it's the spiritual blessings that matter And all of those blessings have been poured into my life already. I can choose to enjoy those blessings. Here's the reality. You see, prayer, talking to God, reading the Bible, going to the throne of grace, doesn't give you a greater blessing. That is the blessing. That's the blessing. You can go to the throne of grace in in your darkest time. That's the blessing. That's that's the blessing. Coming to church on Sunday, it's not going to give you a greater blessing. Coming to church, and most of you have learned this, it is the blessing. It's a blessing to be here with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a blessing to sing the songs. It's a blessing to hear the scriptures just proclaimed into our life. Trusting God with our life and in our difficult circumstances. We don't trust to earn a greater blessing. No, trusting. It is the blessing. I trust God and that's that's the blessing that I can trust him. Sharing my faith. We have this thing, you know, we always have this guilt complex today. I'm supposed to share my faith more and we feel guilty because we don't share it enough and the reality is we don't share our faith to get a greater blessing. Sharing our faith is the blessing and actually in your heart you really want to share the faith. You really do. I remember all those times I would sit around campfires. We, we would grow up, and we would have summer camp, you know, You'd sit around that campfire and the last night the director would stand up and we'd sing a few songs and then he'd come up and say, so who wants to share their personal testimony? And we'd all sit there and it'd be silent for a long time and someone would break the ice eventually. And you'd sit there and you'd want to stand up and you'd want to share your story and you'd want to give your testimony about what the week meant to you, but you were, something held you back inside. But you wanted to. See, in your heart you had the desire In our heart, in our desire, we want to tell our friends about Jesus. We want to share the love of Christ. But sometimes we let fear and our feelings and our emotions take over our desires. Anyway, there's nothing you can do to get a greater blessing from God. Everything we do is the blessing. And then I'm thankful that I am free from the power and condemnation of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I'm free from condemnation when I fall into sin. I'm free from the guilt and shame that comes with sin. And I'm free from the power of sin. It doesn't rule over me. In fact, more than that, I am empowered. I am empowered over sin. I have the power in me to say no to sin and temptation and to say yes to Christ. I'm thankful that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that lives in and works in me. And then I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who bears witness with my spirit. Just so thankful. One of my favorite verses, and we've read this a lot lately, but it's just an amazing verse. Just to know that the Holy Spirit is in me. And is speaking to me and is bearing witness with my spirit. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And I'm just so grateful that the Holy Spirit is in my heart, the Spirit of truth that is not convicting me of sin, but is assuring me that I am a child of God, that is building me up, that is speaking truth, that is encouraging me to follow my new creation heart and to follow my desires and not my feelings, and did not give in to sin. So thankful. And finally, I am so thankful that nothing can separate me from the incorruptible love of Christ. We talked about it last week. So grateful that there is this love and nothing can separate me. Do you see all the spiritual blessings today? All the reasons why we have to be so incredibly thankful today. As I said, I can't hit on all these today. There are so many things. Let me give you one last area of thankfulness. I'm just going to hit this and and go right by it. But today, I should be thankful for tomorrow. I can be thankful. and We don't think about this one either, but we can be thankful today for tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's in store for tomorrow. All I know is that God is already into tomorrow. God has already traveled ahead of me to tomorrow. And we know that, For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know what that verse is really saying? Is that verse saying that if I really, if I love God a certain way, if I love God, then God will bless me and work everything out in my life for good? Is that what it's saying? that's not what it's saying. We know for those who love God, if we love God, and we do love God, right? That's the reality of our heart. We love God, but if we actively follow the desires of our heart, if we love God, we will see that all things work. We, we will recognize that all things work together for good. We'll recognize that God is working in every circumstance, in every situation, that He is working all things for my good and for His good and for His glory. What we learn today, we learned that before thankfulness states what I do, as well as the choice I make, it defines who I am. I have a grateful heart right here. I am grateful if I am in Christ. I should be thankful for my existence. I should be thankful for my material and physical possessions that are really blessings. I need to be more aware and thankful for my spiritual blessings. And finally, I should be thankful for tomorrow. Let me just say this right here. As far as the question goes, do I know for certain if I am in Christ? Because everything we talked about in this series, and everything in this new creation heart, yeah, it's contingent on one thing, that you know Christ is your Savior, that you have believed and received, that you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that you believe He came into the world and died on the cross for sins, for your sins, because you believe, yes, I'm a sinner, separated from the Holy God. And God's not interested in you being a nicer version or a better version of you. God is interested in you becoming alive because you are dead in your sins. So to be in Christ means that I have believed those things and I have received his forgiveness and I have received his grace and I have received his life and the one who rose from the grave on Easter morning has actually risen within me. That's why I am a new creation. That's why I have a new creation heart. You want that heart we talked about earlier? You want to trade in that old ugly heart for a brand new heart? Put your faith and trust in Christ today. You believe and you receive and you don't got to stand up or walk down front or all you got to do in your heart is say, Lord, I believe. I am a sinner. I believe you are God. I believe you came and paid the price for my sin. And today I'm receiving you as my Savior. Come into my life. Make me a new creation in Christ. And then the rest of these questions you can unpack at home. But I want to go to this last question. I just wonder if anybody wants to stand today before we leave and just say, what is one spiritual blessing you are especially thankful for this morning? Or maybe over the last 10 weeks, did you learn something about your heart and you would say, boy, uh, that's been the most, uh, just so encouraging to me. Can you think in either of those directions? You don't have to. Maybe wants to stand and share. I'll give you a brief second to say, I am thankful today for this spiritual blessing.